The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. I'm your host, Wendy Haught, and this month we are talking about finding and creating socialization opportunities with other Catholic women in the face of the destruction of Catholic culture since Vatican II. Although we now have the wonders of social media, and believe me, I know about them, I'm on almost all of them. (laughs) In my own experience, it does not take the place of women getting together in person to talk about their concerns, their doubts, their joys, their comforts, and their sorrows to pray together, and to ask for prayers, to have another woman who recognizes your first as well as your tenth baby as a fantastic gift from God, someone to light up when she sees you and and offer to bring you a cup of tea while you nurse your your newborn. Yes, we need affirmation, validation, whatever you want to call it, from other Catholic women. Sometimes we just need to be with others who understand the challenges we're going through, even if we don't say much about them. I find that women in general are pre-wired for relationships with other women. And when there is not enough current flowing through that wiring, our heart light for our vocations as women can grow dim. Adding to the difficulties, many of us do not have the support of like-minded extended family anywhere nearby. And the older women, the Titus II women of the Bible, who used to act as mentors and support for the young women, are now off in their motorhomes or are working nine-to-five jobs and running a business on the side. My guests today are two women who are parishioners of Mount St. Michael's in Spokane, Washington, Lori Ochoa and Tiffany Longo. They have found ways to meet the needs for friendship with other women and are eager to share their experience and ideas with us. It has been the greatest pleasure for me to meet and talk with them over the phone. They're delightful in every way. And their enthusiasm, their warmth, their generosity of spirit just washed over me as we talked. Truly, these two infused a stream of electrons into my heart light. Although I suspect the three of us could talk for hours about ways to get together with other women, we're limiting our conversation today to the Confraternity for Christian Mothers and to organizing events centered on the liturgical year, using St. Patrick's Day and St. Joseph's Day as models. Welcome, Lori and Tiffany. Thank you, Wendy. Thanks, You're Wendy. Welcome. It's great to be here. Good to have you. We're going to spend the first part of the show talking about the Confraternity of Christian Mothers, of which both Lori and Tiffany are members, and the second part talking about the liturgical year celebration. Now for introductions. Lori, let's start with you. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My family joined the traditional movement when I was young. I probably, gosh, that's all I can remember is that going to traditional mass. And I married a cradle Catholic. I am a pretty much cradle Catholic. I ha- we have five children. The two youngest are in high school. Currently, I'm the president of St. Michael's CCM, uh, Confraternity of Christian Mothers. This last month, though, I took a job that's going to put me on call for the next year. So heaven help my family and all of us. <laughs> That's about it. Sounds good. How about you, Tiffany? Well, I'm a wife and a mother of five as well. You know, I was born and raised Catholic, but Novus Ordo, and really, well, not not really practicing Novus Ordo to say. I mean, I made my first communion, received confirmation, did all the things you're supposed to in a big Italian Catholic family. But having my Italian culture has helped me to kind of seek a little more of the Catholic origins of all the traditions that we have. And when I met my husband, we both kind of we're on the, in the process of finding tradition, and we did. And so now we've been raising our family that way, and have been traditional Catholics for probably the past 12 years now. 
Wonderful. That's great that you have that Italian culture to fall back on. Lori, tell us about the history and the purpose of the Arch Confraternity of Christian Mothers. And let's explain that. I, I, I didn't always get this at first, but Arch Confraternity is the national headquarters, right? And then the, the confraternities yes. are the individual chapters. Okay. So I wanted to get that in there quickly. Is it the same since Vatican II? I mean, so many good things from the past have been updated. I was talking to someone recently who was telling me that even like the Baltimore Catechism, the Eucharistic fast has been changed to reflect the Novus Ordo teaching of one hour. So that was one of my concerns. I mean, we have this great history with the Confraternity of Christian Mothers, but can we trust the new the new books and, and so forth that are coming out of the headquarters. Yeah, that's, that's a tricky one. Well, the, the Christian Mothers officially started in May of 1850 as an answer to the need of the pious mothers of France, who were concerned about the welfare and the sanctity of their and the souls of their children. They or- originally met just to pray for each other and for each other's children to discuss their problems and to offer advice to each other about rearing Christian children. The CCM came to America on January 16, 1881. The goal of the confraternity is not only to unite us in prayer, but also to offer support and to guide and inspire mothers in performing their duties and to practice virtue. Under the special patronage of Mary, the mother of sorrows, its its aim is to show mothers a way of attaining their own sanctity and that of their, their families and to help them to bring up their children as useful members of society, ensuring that their temporal and especially their eternal welfare. It's also wonderful to visit with other mothers who are going through or have gone through the same things that you are. As um, Catholic women, married or widows, with or without children, anyone can join, a young or old. They're admitted as long as they intend to promote the aims and to comply with the statutes of the CCM. But the, the best part is once you're enrolled, you're a member for life. You enjoy tons of benefits during life and especially after death. The deceased members and their children are forever recommended to the hearts and prayers and merits of their fellow Christian mothers. One of the special advantages to membership is the actual presence of the divine Lord with his graces, where two or more are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. So basically, as a member, you're required to pray the CCM prayer daily, attend monthly meetings, educate your children in the faith. I mean, that's pretty much it. Through the graces of confraternity, we could work off our purgatory time just by doing what we do anyway. I haven't had a ton of interaction with with the Arch Confraternity. I mean, I I tried to get a hold of them, and then they were just really, really hard to get on the Internet because I like to order things on the Internet and just really never, ever speak to people, apparently, (laughs) when I'm ordering things. (laughs) But it, it was so I haven't really I haven't really had a lot to do with them. But this I just like maybe a month ago, I had uh, I was just going to start running the Christian Mothers a little more streamlined and like it was supposed to be because we're kind of, I don't know, we're kind of casual in our meeting. And I just wanted to make sure that we were, you know, we were doing everything that we were supposed to be doing. So I called them and super easy. And the lady was very, very nice to me. She asked me, you know, where I was from and what, par- you know, if our parish had a CCM. And I said, yeah, that we did. And I'm always kind of leery because, you know, Vatican II people don't recognize us as Catholic sometimes. And so um, right. But she was kind. She was very kind. I made my order and she invoiced me and I sent off my check when I got my stuff. So, I mean, <laughs> it went well. Anyways, the book that we Great. use, the Mother Mother Love book, but mm-hmm. it's, it's by Reverend Pius Francis, O-F-M-C-A-P. And we just have never ordered their new ones because it looks tiny and new. <laughs> I got to think with older <laughs> stuff. I like it. <laughs> so um, I got my favorite. The, the favorite one that I got is uh, I got from eBay and it's like a 1951 version, but we did order some a president ago of the Christian mothers and she, she got the 1926 reprints and I cannot remember where she got them, but I will look that up and get back with you. And I think we got them for like $10 and Ooh. the differences between the 51 version and the 26 version, I think it's just the order of how the book is ordered. So um, I, I prefer the 1951 version, but during our meeting, since we, most of the people have 1926 version, we just use that one. So that's about ah, it. Okay. So do you actually use the book during the meeting is what, what you're saying? I, I kind of thought that well, everyone used that at home. 
Yeah. We, a lot of times you get, okay, I'm going to just talk like everybody is like me. <laughs> I get really busy and I, I don't, I don't read it. It doesn't matter if I'm carrying it in my purse. You should see my 1951 version. It is a shame. But um, if, if I'm carrying it in my purse or my, on my prayer book bag or whatever, you know, it's, it's very sketchily read by this Christian mother. So we do during the meetings, we started and we're going to continue just to read a bit of it. So it's nothing really that we use to run the meetings or anything, but it's just right. the more you know about it, the more you can practice it. Right. Well, it sounds like such an incredible organization, and I can't believe that I had never heard of it before. I mean, all this time that I've been reading traditional Catholic catalogs and homeschooling and, and all those kind of things, and you would have thought that I had, would have heard about it by now, but... Anyway, so to to recap, the national headquarters is in Pennsylvania, and even though it's part of the Novus Ordo structure, you can call them and they will be nice to you (laughs) and and get you what you need. There are several different editions of the book. You don't know anything about the more recent publications. Y'all haven't compared them to your older versions to see if there's any change that would be serious. crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We recently, I just, I just made that order and I got the members manual, which is called like a conference booklet. And Uh it's, it's pretty handy. And I kind of just skimmed through it and it looks all pretty much the same. So I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, the other one is so tiny though. That mother love book is just tiny. I don't know how it could contain all the stuff that's in the one that we have. I mean, it has, you know, it goes over different indulgences that you can get. It's just really good. And they must have cut out something, but I have never compared the two of them. I bet they cut out the indulgences, but okay. So I would (laughs) say- And maybe the instructions. The instructions are kind of old, um, and but the instructions to mothers, they're just kind of old-fashioned sounding and stuff. So Mm -hmm. I kind of bet that might have gone too. (laughs) Maybe. So I would say most likely get an old- version of mother love off ebay or or something like that just to be safe yeah tiffany did you have anything to add to to any of that no you know i actually got mine off of ebay so it's definitely an old worn version which is kind of special to me because the names that are written in it and the the script inside just the people's names i just feel like that's god telling me to pray for those people you know, because mm-hmm. there were once devout Catholics that used this book. And the, the well-worn and the used book like that, it's just there's history right there. So it's kind of special to be able to use that. Yeah. But, however, the the entire thing is just a wealth of knowledge. I mean, as far as instruction on how to raise your children and different prayers for anything you could even imagine, a way to assist at Mass. So it's just, it's very special. So did you get the 1920, was what's the other one, 1921? 26. Or 26. Mine is a 1926 copyright. Okay. And what what did you have to pay for it on eBay, if you don't mind me asking? You know, I don't remember. It was so long ago. I don't think it was oh. anything crazy. I mean, it, okay. it's, not, so it's, it's definitely not... not one of those hundreds or more type bit auctions that everybody's buying for. Okay. So it's not considered a collectible that, that they've run up the price on. That's great. Now we have a pretty good overview of the organization. Let's talk about how it works at your parish. Lori, you want to okay. run through that for us? Yes. Sister Mary Avila brought the confraternity to our parish in 2004, and she had been successfully, she's a CMRI sister who had been success, successfully running a branch in Tacoma, Washington, for about two years. I do not know where she heard about it or anything. I mean, she has been a Catholic her whole life. Her mom and dad are very fervent Catholics. We're, her father passed away. But we at Mount St. Michael's meet every month on first Saturday after the morning mass at church. We do not at this time collect dues. We don't want it to ever be like a financial burden on the members. We do, however, encourage donations for masses for its members living and dead. And we, we, we do offer child care also for the meetings. Great. Tiffany? How important is having child care available at the church? Oh, that's a big one for me. Christian mother meetings are my way to get away and have my spiritual dose of whatever I need, prayer, camaraderie with the other women. And so to be able to do that without kids hanging off of me and asking for food and drinks and all that kind of stuff, (laughs) it's just a nice break. 
And so it's very, it's very handy and it's very helpful when they do have that. So you would highly recommend having the babysitting available if you are setting up confraternity in your parish. Absolutely. It just makes, I think it makes the mothers a little more willing to come because they know that they can participate. A lot of times I think it's easy for us to say, well, I'm not really getting anything out of it or I'm not doing anything anyway because all I'm doing is watching children and I don't get to focus and so I'm not going to go. And so and then right. instead of being able to dismiss it so easily, if babysitting was available, that might help. And, you know, even if a church is just trying to start this up and they don't have babysitting right away, meet at a park or do whatever it takes. Get get your chairs, your camping chairs, and get in a circle and let the kids play. Everybody watch and everybody help keep an eye. But, you know, somehow make it happen because it's that important. Great. Lori, have you, as president, have do you have a different perspective on the babysitting, or are you the one that's organizing that, or what can you tell us about? <laughs> right now, how our how our babysitting works is um, it's the president's job to. I mean, you know, I'm the one who kind of organizes it, which the president before me did, and the president before me, her. So we're so spoiled at the Mount that we have this fantastic building and it's got plenty of room for everything. We have a a great room for meetings. I mean, there's a a lot of meetings that go on on a Saturday morning at the Mount on first Saturday, especially. And so most of the time when I had, when my kids were younger and going to Christian mothers, my oldest child would be at a handmaid's meeting and we would be at Christian mothers and I'd have kids. (laughs) I'd have like three or four kids there. So it was not good, but we have a room for small children at the Mount and it's all set up for babysitting. And so it's just really easy to get one of our middle school or high school students to, to babysit. And they're, they're volunteers. They, we have a, a great volunteer program with the school that even kids who don't go to school there who are Catholic do great with volunteering. Anyways, they, we generally try to get like three to five babysitters because we have like 20 to 30 people who might regularly show up at a meeting. But a lot of them, mm-hmm. or quite a few of them, are like me, not a lot, but quite a few of them are like me are, you know, our kids take care of their, themselves. They go home after church and, you know, it's easy, but like for mm-hmm. people like Tiff, whose kids are tiny still. So we got to have that for them. And really, right. how can you focus when there's a bunch of little kids around? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, I always have. <laughs> well, that's great. That's wonderful that you have the, the volunteers, especially. So tell me what the typical meeting like the structure, the kinds of topics, how long it lasts, those kinds of things that women will need to know when they're deciding. Okay, well, on. Okay, well our, our, like I said, our meetings are on first Saturdays. And though it's, you know, it's not required, the members usually start the day with Mass. I mean, it is, it is a recommendation in the, the Mother Love book that you attend the Mass and offer your communion for your fellow Christian mothers and you know, it's, it's um, so anyway, so we start the day with the mass and then the, the first Saturday communion and the rosary meditation. We meet generally about 9.15, have coffee and refreshments, which are brought by the members potluck style. And um, we start our meeting generally by 9.30 with the confraternity prayer. I always feel a little stressed because I know that some of the members need to, you know, need to get home, need to start their lives again. And so I'm, I try to keep the meeting at right at an hour. Generally, people are still eating and drinking their coffee when we start the meeting, but that's all good. Okay, then we start with the secretary reading the minutes from our last meeting. We do like uh, new business, maybe the report on the masses that have been said for members and maybe help needed within the parish for parishioners or, or just with the building because it is fantastically huge and falling apart. Anyway, then <laughs> sister would give us a look at the importance at what's, you know, what's coming up for like patron saints of the month and stuff like that. And then we'll generally have a talk, which could be on the liturgical year, child rearing of the, the importance of knowing our faith or our Christian confraternity or Christian mother's rules. We read from the mother love book. <laughs> and currently I'm kind of, we're reworking the setup for the officers and their duties. That's why I got the handbook for officers from the arts confraternity. Right now, we have a president, a secretary, and a treasurer, and as well, you know, and, and who attends our meetings generally is our parish priest and one of our good sisters, Sister Marie Vienne, as a spiritual advisor. Like this next month, well, actually now, this month, on Saturday, we're going to have a morning of recollection in the place of our, our usual meeting for Lent. We usually do that every Lent. Every now and again, our members need to be reminded that attendance at a meeting is required unless there's a serious reason 
So that's why we read the mother love book, just to remind ourselves of the rules and, and the indulgences and the, the benefits that we're getting from it. Sounds really great. I'm jealous. <laughs> Tiffany, <laughs> Tiffany, what's the best part for you as far as the actual meeting goes? Oh, well, socializing is always fun in the beginning, <laughs> getting some goodies and sitting down and just, it's, it's just kind of my way to catch up. You know, I get to catch up on what's going on. What does anybody need? And then get that spiritual lesson, you know, whatever it may be for that meeting. It's just kind of, it seems like it's just always exactly what I needed to hear every time I go. Mm-hmm. And you feel it when you miss a meeting. You kind, of, you kind of feel like, wow, I didn't get what I needed this month. And it, it carries you through and it just helps as a mother. Great. Tell us about how you discovered the confraternity at the Mount and what it has meant to you as a young mother, you know, outside of the meeting. Yeah. Um, you know, when I moved here, uh, I moved here about almost five or six years ago, and I knew nobody. I mean, I had a little bit of family up here, but I really did not know anyone. And I just, Lori was instrumental in being the welcoming person that she is and mm-hmm. just kind of like got me going and knew exactly who I needed to know and what I needed to see. And another dear friend of ours who was the existing president of the confraternity at that time, you know, and I saw it in the bulletin and I was like, what is this? I have got to find out what this is. And they kind of explained it to me and I went to a meeting and after that I was hooked. I mean, just, just going to one meeting, you can see it's just, it's just the camaraderie in which I never had that. I mean, I came from a parish where there was really no parish life. Mm-hmm. Priests were being flown in every weekend to kind of give the mass. You never really knew who they were, or got to know them at all. And so it was kind of, it was just such a, first of all, just being at the mat was so overwhelming because there is so much that we have accessible to us and we're very blessed in that way. And the confraternity was just one of those things that really helped me introduce, get introduced to other mothers. Um, right. But not only just mothers my age, you know, it's it's just so nice to have that wealth of knowledge from all these mothers that have such wisdom. I mean, there's there's mothers that are pregnant with their first child on the way and coming to figure out, you know, how do I do this? But then there's mothers that have a few babies like me, and they're just trying to, like, keep their head above water. And then there's mothers <laughs> who have done it already. There's grandmothers. I mean, there's just so much wisdom to be obtained from these women because they've been there and it's not everyone has you can draw upon everyone's experiences and from mm-hmm. there know what you need to do and kind of get that encouragement that it's okay and I'm going to survive and my children will right. grow up and I will stop changing diapers at some point in my life you know <laughs> I know that is just so critical and it's really been destroyed in our parish life well just in our our lives as a whole. The essential thing of Catholic culture, I think, is being there for one another and not just one segment of of a woman's experience, but you get that full range and keeps everything in perspective. It's just really wonderful. So what it advice... Is. It's just having even everybody praying for you. Very uplifting and encouraging. You know, you... Yeah. What advice and encouragement would you give to our listeners for starting their own chapter of the confraternity? Lori? Well, yeah, I would start personally with getting a copy of Mother Love and reading up on what it takes to start a confraternity. I mean, just familiarizing yourself with what it is. And then mm-hmm. go to your parish priest if you, know, if you, if you are lucky enough to have a, a parish in your area and mm-hmm. you know, get the go-ahead. Then once you have that, spread the word within your parish or within your Catholics who are close by and talk up the benefits and the graces that are easily acquired just by being a member. We have members ourselves at St. Michael's who don't live in our area, who are still members of the confraternity. Um, you know, don't let that stop you from becoming a member just because you don't have a confraternity in your area. I mean, join one. That's I great. Would, I didn't know that. Yeah. So they're like, they write to you and you sign them up or how does that work? If like there's ladies no, you have now. Yeah. You know, I'm not really sure how in the heck they worked it. I think most of the people came to our parish and joined with Father at our parish. So, but I, I'm sure there's there's got to be a way that if, you know, if it's impossible to come to Spokane, Washington, you could probably do it in uh, mm-hmm. Huntsville, Alabama, if that's where you are with your parish priest. And, you know, if you don't have a confraternity or no one else is interested in, in, in it, I cannot believe that that would be the case. <laughs> <It's> so fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, we 
you know, I would think that if worse comes to worse, you could probably do that and have your 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 own parish priest enroll you, and then just you know get a hold of me, and we'll suck you into all the information that's coming out of our parish. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Do y'all have a newsletter or anything for your confraternity? You know, the one in Tacoma had one, and when Sister talks about that one, I'm all jealous and wishing that we would pull ourselves together to do that, but. At this time, we do not. I will have to uh, I'll have to look and see if someone's interested in maybe taking on that apostolate because that would be so wonderful, at least to have a little blurb of something. But we do not have anything right. right at this time. Right. I know that the Arch Confraternity has a bulletin. I, I'm not sure how often it's published, but I on their website, I saw the link to their bulletin, and I think it's named the same as the book Mother Love. So that would, I don't know if the contents are are yeah, in line possible with... resource though. Yeah. Right. I'm always trying to, you know, get on to different different avenues just to find, you know, what other people are interested in hearing. I feel like we've we've covered all the topics since two thousand four. That <laughs> could possibly be covered. Mm-hmm. Not really. But um, you know, it's just kinda you just want to keep it kind of fresh for the for the members so that they're learning something that they really need to know. So so I got on when when I was on Facebook one time and I joined their the confraternity there hoping that something good would come. That was you know, they don't talk a lot on their Facebook page about what, what they're talking about during their meetings. They just talk about when their meetings are. So that was not very interesting, but that, I think I have seen the bulletin one that you were talking about that, you know, and it was, it was kind of interesting hearing what their topics were going to be and stuff like that. It was, it was good. Right. And I do want to say that I don't know what for sure is in the Arch Confraternity bulletins, whether they've been updated to reflect Vatican II. So please, if you do investigate, be aware that it could be they have some Novus Ordo teaching in there. Tiffany, did you have anything to say about starting a chapter, encouragement, or ideas? I, I would just say start it. If you if you can get it going and there's some desire there and some interest in your parish, get it going. If you don't have a parish hall or a place to meet, you know, maybe you could rotate between different mothers' homes, you know, potluck and mm-hmm. just kind of take turns. But just that, that fellowship is necessary, and you really don't know until you don't have it. So don't let that happen to you. Just kind of be grateful and make it work so that you can have it. Right, right. Okay, that sounds good. And that ties into what you were saying earlier about, you know, even if you have to meet at a park, let the kids play and, and the moms do their mother love reading and conduct a and yeah. meeting in that way. So that you have some support. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, we, I mean, um, we need I, it. I, a lot of times moms will just think it's, oh, a lot of times moms will think that they get, you know, we need to get together for a play date uh, with a couple other moms and that's like their, their chance at socialization. But it's really so mm-hmm. much more than that because, you know, what I notice, I'll get together with moms that have children my age, but then I miss out on all those moms that have older children than me or don't have children that are able to even talk yet, you know, and, or grandmothers right. that you don't necessarily hang out with in your social circle. So mm-hmm. that's why this is so important to begin. So don't just get sucked into the idea that, oh, you have enough of a social life. I mean, this is way more than that. It's spiritual food for your soul. Excellent point. Thank you so much. I want our listeners to know that Lori has a thing for what she affectionately calls Catholic bling. She actually texted me a picture of one of the confraternity pins. <laughs> Tell us about that, Lori. I'm not super comfortable with you talking about my Catholic bling, for goodness sakes. But yeah, we, uh, we, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. We had, when I joined the confraternity, our fantastic president took care of everything. She purchased the supplies, medals, ribbons, and pins for our lapel. And they were so stinking cute, but you know, pretty much basically the CCM medal is the Pieta or the Sorrowful Mother. Any one of them will work. Father blesses them. They're special. Don't lose them like I did. Don't do it. Oh. And the, the, the <laughs> blingy one that I purchased from the Arch Confraternity in Pittsburgh was like 12.50, and it was very weighty. And the lady tried to talk me out of it, telling me how very weighty it was. But I thought the weightier, the better. It is super cool looking, but boy, howdy. You have to have a quality shirt on to wear it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think that you can, you can put them on anything. We had one year we had straight pins with an uh, with a ribbon, you know, cute little tiny bow and the and, um the medal. So, you know, just whatever. So father can attach it to the person and, you know, it could go on a necklace. It could do it, whatever you want. Right. Well, I was, I really coveted that pin when you sent me that picture. <laughs> <laughs> I confess. Oh, you know. <laughs> 
Okay. And so you said that one was like 1250 and you got it from the Arch Confraternity. Right. I'm gonna... But you know, the, the medals are like, what are they, Jeff? 50 cents or something like that, maybe? If you buy them at a religious good oh, store, yeah. we could go to... We could go to Coffers or something here in town and go to any of their religious goods stores, and they're going to have those medals. So you just take them and buy them from them. They have official Christian Mother's medal at these shops? It doesn't say Christian Mother on the top of it like that awesome one that I have does, but it's it's just (laughs) all it is is the medal itself. I mean, you know, you can use anyone. It does not have to be expensive at all. And when my friend who put them all together just went to Hobby Lobby and bought the little lapel pin thingies and then put a ribbon on it. Isn't that what you're currently sporting, Tiffany? Yes, I have mine on right now. It's just a little blue ribbon, our lady's color, and then the PSA medal that hangs from this little pin. And you just wear it to your meetings and wear it to mass. I mean, it's just it's very special because it is blessed. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. Okay, so Y'all have just blown me away. I can't believe all all the wonderful things that are associated with having this group. I also see that there's a need for women to socialize outside of the parish. We need to think about the women who are not mothers as well. I think establishing a confraternity would work as a nucleus for spinoff groups like book clubs, quilting guilds, coffees, state parties, etc., which brings me to our next topic, organizing parties as a way of socializing for women. Lori is going to tell us about her annual St. Patrick's Day party, and Tiffany is going to tell us about putting on a St. Joseph's altar. She's had experience doing the altar at home with relatives and at the parish. Lori, since St. Patrick's Day comes before St. Joseph's Day, you want to go first? Ah, St. Patrick's Day, coming right up, March 17th. When I think when I was about 16, I discovered that there was a smidge of Irish on my maternal grandmother's side. And with that smidge, I all of a sudden became 95% Irish. And sometimes I talk with a brogue. <laughs> um, I could always celebrate one of my favorite saints during Lent, guilt-free. I don't even know exactly when my party started, probably around the time we bought our first home and I could invite people over. Uh, maybe in the Mm -hmm. 90s, early 90s. I usually, for my party, just make it an open house with an open invitation. You know, I invite you. You feel free to bring a friend and spread the word. And all I do is pretty much clean my house so that people think I have a clean house, prepare a (laughs) bunch of usually meat-free breakfast dishes like quiches or whatever. I mean, in the very beginning, I can remember, you know, putting them all together the night before and shoving them in my refrigerator and then pulling them out and, you know, having having them in the oven whilst I was going to mass or whatever. I, I make chips and salsa just because that's I make it. And that's very Irish, don't you know? And it's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I make sure I have all the corned beef and cabbage, the Irish nudge for coffee, some shamrocks and streamers and St. Patrick's Day statue and my custom-made pitcher that was made by my awesome friend, green candles, my flag, my specialty St. Patrick apron and tablecloth and t-shirt and skirt. And I don't know, I am a sight. (laughs) And then I dig out all my cool Irish movies, which I was frantic digging for last night and I can't find it. And I think it was crumbs. I can't remember, but it was like St. Patrick and the St. Patrick and the Irish, and it was all animated, and boy, it used to rivet the kids. Anyway, so any mm-hmm. of the kids who show up, I could, they get rambunctious, or it gets too much, and the moms want to talk, you know, I, I pop in a, a cool St. Patrick movie, and it was, we're good to go. So, like, if there's an early mass, I, I try to plan my party around when, when the mass happens, because, you know, St. Patrick likes it when you go to mass. So, <laughs> if there's an 11 o'clock mass, we'll maybe take a break during the day, and I'll just have that in my invitation, make sure people know that from 11 to 12, we're going to be at mass. See you there. Right. Anyways, people will drop in. I mean, a ton of people will drop in after they take their their kids to school. Maybe they'll bring some goodies to share. Always some awesome, real Irish person will bring Irish soda bread. And it is fantastic. Okay, so everyone signs my guest book. Mostly it's just so I can remember who the heck stopped by because it is a whirlwind. But it's so much fun. Okay, so okay. after midday, my, my fantastic cousin will show up with Irish soda bread always. And help me with uh, corned beef and cabbage for dinner. So she just kind of helps me prep it because it's like a, a brand new day every year and I can never remember how to do it. So but so she just comes <laughs> over and takes it over and I love that. <laughs> Anyways, we have, yeah. um, we don't, I, I don't really have activities planned, but 
if somebody's working on a project and generally speaking, I am working on a project always. And so I will just, you know, like rosaries are a huge one. If somebody's making rosaries, we'll just have all the rosary stuff out in the middle of the table. And if people are sitting there, they'll start stringing rosaries. Or if somebody has a new oh. idea, they bring it out and we work on it and talk about it. Uh, my my cousin started making homemade cards and selling them on Etsy. And so she was she would bring some of her cards and be working on some of her cards and whatever. It was just really, really fun. Oh yeah, I like yeah. that. When yeah, I do. When when um, people leave, I usually and this sometimes this varies, but I usually like to have a St. Patrick's Day holy card or something like that for them to take as a remembrance. And at the mm-hmm. end of our St. Patrick's Day party, which usually I'll still have guests, which are generally speaking my family members, but we'll you know end with rosary and corned beef and cabbage and potato with blarney stones for dessert and. You know, not everyone in my family is a fan. Not not all of the little Mexicans in my family are fans of Irish food, but that's their Lenten sacrifice, I tell them. They just have to eat it. And then, you know, each each year, it's different. Every stinking year, it's different. Tiffany might not recognize that party I just described, because Tiff, I was going through my book and and trying to remember all the different things that I had done, and these are different things that I've done over the years. So, but it, It's great. Every year is different. Anytime Lori is, is around... Anytime Lori's around, fun happens. It's just always a good time. <laughs> it sounds like it. I would love to come. I'm going to have to fly out there and tell you what. So, March um, 17th, baby. <laughs> I tell you. How, and everyone pretty much expects that, that this is coming because you've been doing it so long. But you said you still do actually send out invitations or, or not? You know, I, I've gotten kind of lax. They used to be handwritten, fantastic works of art, and now they are sometimes text <laughs> messages and emails. So, <laughs> email? Who did the email one? I know. But, you know, they're just you just do what you can. Get the word out there, and people will spread the word. And they, just knowing that you can show up your lunch break or if you're working or whatever, it's going to be a little tricky for me this year because I am on call. So if I have a St. Patrick's Day party, Tiff, you might have to host it while I'm at work. <laughs> you know it will. Oh, okay. That's great. <laughs> so I'm really encouraged that you've adapted over the years. And a lot of times we think, well, we have to do it this certain way. We have to mail out special invitations and all that. And if we can't do that, then we just don't do, do the party at all. So this is great. Text messaging, whatever. The important thing is get everyone together and celebrate the liturgical year. Is there any special planning preparation help that you've learned over the years that you want to share that would apply in general? Well, most of the time, when whenever I get started on anything that's, that's huge and a little daunting, I generally <laughs> will drag a friend in on helping me. So, um, and I have a couple of dear friends here that I just, um, they're, they drag me in as much as I drag them in, hopefully. And so I just, you know, get a friend (laughs) to help you with uh, the planning and, and, you know, it doesn't have to be this exotic thing. Everybody just wants to get together and have fun. If you only do (laughs) Blarney stones and have fun with that, then do that. I mean, that's huge. So just do what you can do and, and get people together and Spread the word how you can, and next time do it better if something happens. You know, it's all good. (laughs) Right. So let's move on to St. Joseph's Altar with Tiffany. Tiffany, you want to tell us how it got started and all? Okay. Yeah. You know, before I moved here, I was just desperate for Catholic culture any which way I could get it. And being Italian, a lot of those customs and things that my family grew up with or that I would love the food that was involved, um, you know, we're usually Catholic in nature. And so my sister-in-law and I got together and we said, we're going to do the St. Joseph's Altar. Italians, it started back in the day in Italy when there was some kind of a famine and they prayed to St. Joseph. And of course, he answered their prayer. And so they thanked him every year with this table of Thanksgiving in which they, you know, made wonderful food and distributed to the poor in town as a way to thank St. Joseph for his blessing. And so we said, we're going to do this. And it was only us. It was only my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law and their two kids. And it was my husband and I and our kids. And we basically just made a bunch of Italian food, covered my Mm -hmm. island with, you know, columns and boxes covered with tablecloths to try in desperation to make a three-tiered altar, which is typical of the Mm -hmm. St. Joseph's table. You kind of make it look like a three-tiered altar and then decorate it with holy items. And, you know, we had a big picture of the Holy Family, statue of St. Joseph, and then the food. The food was our decoration. And really, it just makes for an amazing tablescape because we had 
all this homemade bread, which typically is baked in different shapes, like a staff or a hammer or a cross or different lily, things that would represent St. Joseph or Christ. And we did this and baked the bread and had it on this altar. And then it was just the face style. So we both kind of worked together to make our dishes and took pictures and ate it. And it was great fun. And we're like, we have got to do this every year. Well, then the next year I moved up here. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, we got to, I got to keep this going. It's such a special thing. And St. Joseph, really, the reason that we actually moved here was all in thanks to St. Joseph. I mean, after many prayers, he's the one that really was instrumental in our movement to where we could have a, a church and a parish that we do. And so I'm thinking to myself, I owe St. Joseph my life. I know I owe him everything. I got to do something. I got to make this Thanksgiving like the Italians did back in the day. And so I talked to our parish priest and I'm like, please, we need to do this. And so in in the middle of Lent, it was a little bit busy. We actually do our feast on Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, just because of scheduling with our parish and things like that. But I mean, any time you can do it, I say do it. St. Joseph doesn't mind. However, if you could do it on a feast day, that'd be fabulous because it's a little break of Lent, just like St. Patrick. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you could be partying all week with St. Patrick and St. Joseph <laughs> right next to each other. And so we we just do it on St. Joseph the Worker, but we do, we have a big parish-wide event. So we have, I, I want to say like maybe 50, I don't even know how many people come. I should probably count that. Maybe more than that. very busy. I don't know, Lori, have yeah. you ever remembered how many people? It was very busy. I probably would say not. I don't know. Probably so, 50 to 80. Okay. So maybe there was. But we basically get the tables out. Um, we just have a bunch of tables out in the middle of each table. I have a little frame with the prayer to St. Joseph and a picture of St. Joseph in the center of each table. And then we have the St. Joseph's altar, which we do the three tiers, much nicer than my kitchen island back home. But <laughs> it's, you know, on a grander scale because we have, you know, beautiful linens and huge life-size statues and a lot more to work with when you have a parish like we do. And right. then we decorate that with lilies and candles and grapes on the vine and all kinds of the religious symbols that you know, you can find. And then right next to that, we actually have our huge table with all the food. And that's kind of the buffet line goes through and we do a potluck. So all the parishioners come and they bring a dish and we just tell them, make it Italian. It's got to be an Italian dish. It's an Italian feast. And I'm Italian and I'm in charge. Of a lot of, and no, we have a all lot of bread. pizza. <laughs> Lori doesn't bring her chips and dip. Okay. I would eat it because... But I'm sorry, it's It's mostly Italian food, and that's what we get. But then the bread, like I was saying, we have now. The first year, I I bought the dough from the store, and I just baked bread for like two days because I was doing it all by myself. No one really knew about it yet, and I thought it was enough work for everyone to bring dishes for the potluck. And so here I am for like two or three days. My oven is running for like eight hours. I'm baking batches of bread. I basically braided the bread. I made loaves, wreaths, hammers, staffs, lilies, all the different shapes crosses. And that's what goes on the altar still as a decoration. And then I made sure that I made however many tables we had. We had a braided ring that was stuffed with pepperoni and cheese. And that was, there was enough so that every family at the end of the night could take one of those rings home kind of as a souvenir. Well, after our first year, I think a lot of people were so excited and they wanted to help. It was just so great how many people love St. Joseph and I'm so happy Mm -hmm. for that. And so they would all come and they're like, I want to bake some bread. Give me the bread. And so I started dispersing it, which made my load a lot easier. And it gets everybody involved. And everyone comes in with their bread the morning of, and it's it's pretty special. I love that. I used to have in in my old parish in Louisiana, it was a Novus Ordo parish, but it it was St. Joseph's parish. So we had a fantastic St. Joseph's altar every year. And especially the Catholic daughters were involved in it. And we would all get together and make all this food together and set up the altar. And it was so much fun. I just really, really enjoyed that. So I I know what you're talking about. It just brings out the best in everyone. It does. You buy the the dough, the pre-made dough, and give it to everyone. And they, they make their bread at home and bring it is what you're saying. Yeah, I just find that makes it a little easier on everybody, Not no pressure. I mean, the people are welcome to make it from scratch if they'd like to, but I find that if the dough's there and all they have to do is shape it and bake it, it becomes a fun project for the family, and it's it's easy enough to do that they can participate. It's their little piece of helping put the whole puzzle together, but it's not too much, you know? Right. Now, we always had the blessed fava beans, too, but I don't remember what the I'm sure it had something to do with the aspects of famine. Maybe they only had beans. I don't know. I can't remember. Do you know anything about yes. that? Yes, fava beans are very 
they're very typical to that region. And it was a lot of times peasant food because it was cheap and abundant. And so that's what everybody ate. And it was it's very, I mean, fava beans, everybody knows fava beans from Italy, St. Joseph, it all goes together. And so we also, I should have mentioned, have Father bless the table and the altar, you know, before we begin and we have prayers and I give a little talk which is the same every year, but Father always likes me to do it, and I just don't know what else to say sometimes, except I love you, St. Joseph. And then, right. and then we eat, and, you know, I think one time we actually had some music. Some of the the sisters would come sing, or anybody was welcome to play some music. I think we had somebody come once with their little guitar. But it's just it's just fun. It's a lively, fun event, and the whole family comes, and it's just kind of neat. It does sound, it sounds wonderful. Do you have any special tips you want to give for anyone who's thinking of starting St. Joseph's Altar? You know, just do it. Just, a lot of times we'll just wait and say, oh, I, we don't have the resources. I can't, I can't do it. It really takes nothing. If you can flap a tablecloth on your table and put a statue of St. Joseph up, then that's your St. Joseph's <laughs> Altar. I mean, no, nobody's coming to make sure that it's done properly. You're not going to get in trouble. There, there's never a wrong way to honor this great saint who does so much for us and really is our protector and a patron of so many things that we, we really can't afford not to honor him, especially on his mm-hmm. feast day. So what I say is make it happen, make it a potluck, get everybody to just help a little, bring one dish, and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. And again, a lot of times people are worried about having it at their homes and inviting that many people, don't want to clean your toilets, go to the park. You know what I mean? Get get somewhere that you can make this happen. It'd be a great witness to your faith to be out there doing this, you know, but it should happen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, well, I'm very motivated now. <laughs> I will be doing something. I don't know what, but whether it's in the park or at my house or at the parish, but <laughs> yeah, yes. like I said, I really miss it and I've been without it for like 10 years now, so I guess nobody's going to do it for me. I better get on the stick. Those were all great ideas. I'm so excited that I found out that y'all each have these events because what a happy coincidence, right? I mean, St. Joseph and St. Patrick had to have some influence here. I'm going to put links Mm -hmm. in the show notes to resources. I have, I'll be putting some links for St. Joseph altar recipes and, and things like that, whatever we come up with. So don't worry if you're, if you need ideas, I'll have some things there in the show notes for you. Uh, also, I want to remind everyone to think about the single people in your parish when you are planning an, a, a party or some kind of event. These are desperately hard times for finding a Catholic spouse. So keep that in mind when you are planning your guest list and help facilitate singles meeting each other in a Catholic social setting outside of parish events. Also, don't forget the ones who are called to the single life as their vocation and the widows and the widowers, invite them to your gatherings as well. Many traditional Catholic singles have nowhere to go for Easter and Christmas. Uh, so Easter will soon be here. Start start thinking about who you can invite over. And if you're not sure, ask your pastor for suggestions. So we've covered an incredible amount of ground here today. We started off the show talking about the Arch Confraternity of Christian Mothers, its history and purpose. Then we moved into how the confraternity is organized at Mount St. Michael's, what a meeting is like for them, the importance of child care, and the important role the confraternity plays in socialization for its members. We talked about how to go about getting one started in your own parish and the nifty Catholic bling, thank you, Lori, (laughs) that you can get. Finally, we talked about establishing a confraternity in your parish as a nucleus for other women's groups especially as it pertains to planning parties around the liturgical year, such as St. Patrick's Day and St. Joseph's Day. Is there anything we missed, ladies, that you want to add now? You know, I uh, actually forgot that it did start out, my St. Patrick's Day parties did start out as my girlfriends and my sisters and people, you know, women. And Mm -hmm. slowly but surely, my brothers have edged their way in and started bringing their darn friends. So now it's a total (laughs) co-ed party. (laughs) <laughs> and so it's it's great fun, <laughs> but it, it has added quite a bit of flavor to it. Having you know having the guys show up and what they what they think is important, and whatever. So it, beer, it's, it's nice having them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, green something. Who knows? But, yeah, yeah, we used to just so have they, green punch, um, and now we have five different kinds of beer. <laughs> <laughs> Weird how it evolves that way, but yep, that's how it works. So right. it's, it's nice to do that. 
Yes. How about you, Tiffany? Do you have anything to add? I just think if you're having a St. Patrick's party or you're going to start a confraternity, you probably need to hire Lori because she pretty much knows everything. <laughs> and she might have a career. I am on call. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'll, I'm going to put your phone number in the show notes, Lori. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, well, it's great. Um, like I said, I'll have I'll put links for as many things as I can find to help out, and including the the link to the Arch Confraternity website, so the listeners will have access to contacting them and finding the book and and all that kind of thing. So I want to thank you both for being on the Catholic Home, Laurie and Tiffany. It was wonderful, and I'm sure that many, many women will be thanking you in the months to come for sharing your experience and knowledge about the confraternity and hosting parties and events like St. Patrick's Day and St. Joseph's Day. You've shared so many wonderful insights with us. I hate to say cast stones because that really, there's a negative connotation there. What am I trying to say? You skip stones? Anyway, you've tossed some ideas out there that the the ripples will be going on for a long, long time. It's going to do great things for restoring the Catholic social culture in everyone's home area. May God bless you both. Thank you very much for having me, Wendy. It has been a pleasure. Way more exciting than I thought it would be. <laughs> Less exciting. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you, Wendy. <laughs> exciting. Oh, boy. <laughs> I hope I talk to you both again soon. If you have any questions or feedback on this episode, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at catholichome at truerestoration.org and we will pass along your questions or comments to our guests. You may rest assured that all correspondence with us is strictly confidential. All of us here at Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be in any way beneficial to your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who helped make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a mass, a rosary, or even a simple Ave for our work the next time you pray. For the restoration, I am Wendy Haught. May God bless you and the Blessed Mother keep you in her tender care. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.